seems that people in our government are exercising, or maybe I should say imposing, their power and authority on parents. Because it may feel to you that our government is now the final authority for determining what's best for our children. While we the people have given the government certain liberties to intervene when obvious abuses take place in our homes, these liberties have at times been, well, abused. And too often, we the people have allowed it. But many of these governmental overreaches have no logical, scientific, or moral undergirding. Today, we'll be talking with Mike Ferris from Alliance Defending Freedom about standing up for our family's religious convictions and liberties. That's today on Licensed to Paint. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, fully accredited, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, about a dozen years ago was when you named this broadcast Licensed to Parent. And there was a reason why you named it Licensed to Parent. What did you realize back then? What were you seeing happening in society that compelled you to title this broadcast Licensed <laughs> to Parent and subtitle it Insight for Today's Culture? Well, the first thing I realized was that I was already late doing it. Uh, but I didn't want to do, I just didn't want to do a radio broadcast. I don't consider myself a radio person, but, uh, you know, in fact, as you know, Michelle, I didn't want to start and run a therapeutic program for troubled mm -hmm. teenagers either. Mm -hmm. uh, but when God's little taps on the shoulder become, you know, big kicks in the pants, I felt constrained. But I, I, I did feel strongly that parents needed a, a renewed license, so to speak, uh, to do what our culture, pop psychology, our government, and even many in the church had seemingly revoked from parents by way of their, their rights and authority to exercise what used to be considered common sense when raising kids. And though there were plenty of Christian media outlets to tell parents uh, you know, a, a whole lot about raising kids, even back then, it just seemed that there, there weren't many who were willing to challenge some of the, the parenting elephants in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing that concerned me was the absolute lack of discipline that I saw in most homes. Mm -hmm. uh, but along with that was the lack of moral standards and the lack of respect for and belief in the authority of Scripture, which has the standards that once established and sustained uh, so many American families just a couple of generations ago. It seemed that parents were buying into a Dr. Spock model for raising kids and uh, all as they were allowing the government to swoop in and make us believe that perhaps pop psychology had a better idea for raising kids than God and his word. And yet today, over 50 years after the Dr. Spock days, I'm actually starting to see some secular mental health professionals moving back uh, more in line with uh, a biblical worldview uh, on some of this stuff. That's certainly not to say that uh, the mental health field is still not culpable for some pretty crazy ideas because they darn sure are giving credence to the statement there's no fool like the educated fool. And so I was just trying to encourage parents that not only do we have rights as parents, but before God we have responsibilities. And, and not just to our kids, but to ourselves and to our society at large to do what we have to do to raise healthy, emotionally balanced, and well-adjusted kids. Kids who will 
be ready to move into the responsibilities of adulthood when the time comes. But today we're at a point where we've already given so much rope to our kids and to our government that it's going to take hydraulics to rein it all back in. So today we're going to help parents understand their rights as God-fearing parents and hopefully, metaphorically speaking, return to them their God-given license to parent. I like that idea. Well, Trace, I'm happy to introduce our guest today. I think he will bring a lot of helpful insights to this topic of our rights, particularly liberty and religious freedom. Our guest is Mike Ferris. He is the president and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom, and he brings to the role a diverse background as an effective litigator educator, public advocate, and communicator, and is widely recognized for his successful work on both the national and international stage. Mike has been fighting for our religious freedom for many, many years. In fact, he was the founding president of both the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and also Patrick Henry College. Mike is the author of over 15 books, and he is married to Vicki, and they have 10 children and many grandchildren. Well, Mike, welcome back to License of Parents. It's been a while. It's been a while, Trace. It's good to talk to you again. Can you, can you tell us about uh, Alliance Defending Freedom and why Christian parents need to know more about it? Alliance Defending Freedom is a 28-year-old organization that's the largest Christian litigation organization in the world. We have a staff of about 400. We have offices all around the world. Uh, about 75% of our team is in the United States, but we have uh, others in other countries. Uh, and we fight for five generational wins, as we call them. These are uh, issues that are of major concern and that, that a victory is needed. Uh, one of those is a case that we worked on in a little bit different topic than today, but we were deeply involved in the Dobbs case. Uh, where the Supreme Court has reversed Roe versus Wade. And, and, but our goal, our, the generational win, is for America to become a pro-life nation. So uh, the five areas we work on are religious freedom, um, right to life, marriage and family, including uh, the whole host of uh, transgender issues. So all the transgender sports cases you hear about in the country, every one mm -hmm. of those are ours. We're litigating oh, all wow. those cases. Um, but then one of the five areas is the right of parents to raise their kids in, in a God-fearing fashion. And so, or to say it more differently, the parents' rights generally, but we principally are representing Christians. Uh, and so um, we... Uh, we believe that this is one of the fundamental things that are important for the long-term survival of the country is for parents, not government, to be able to make the key decisions about a child's upbringing. So do you ever work with families who claim no faith? Or would you? Um, we would, yeah, in the right circumstances. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. And I have done so in my career. In the homeschooling world, I represented people who were secular, people who were, you know, just about every faith I can imagine. I don't think I ever represented any Hindu nationalists, but but I <laughs> represented Jews, black Muslims, um, Mormons, evangelicals, Catholics, you name it. I I, I, I covered the waterfront uh, in my many years of litigation for homeschoolers. Awesome. You know, we, we hear and we see uh, billboards, bumper stickers, God bless America. And you know, my question is, <laughs> how can God bless uh, a nation that isn't pro-life? Why are we hearing more people say, America, bless God? Well, 
That's an interesting question, or another formulation of the same idea, perhaps, would be, how could America align itself with the the standards of the Word of God so that God would be free to bless us very generously? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the truth of Scripture, of course, is that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God blesses uh, with a general blessing everybody. And uh, we all have, uh, you know, common grace, and, and there's just so much that flows from God that everyone uh, gets. But there are special blessings. You know, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Uh, right. and, and so... Um, it's it's not. Um, I mean, think, people get mixed up about things like this, and they think that we need to make um, the government coercive to do this. No, this is really a cultural imperative, and that is our culture should become the nation that God is the Lord. It's not the the government doesn't need to become a theocracy to fulfill mm-hmm. that. We need people right. who, are in their hearts, um, we voluntarily, as a as a nation, uh, turn to God. I mean, at the founding of this country. There is no doubt that we we had an absolutely overwhelming Christian culture. We had a free government, uh, but that freedom came from our Christianity. Uh, and so people get get mixed up about all this. But but we as a people, um, which are we're bigger than the government. We as a people need to become the kind of people that God is free to bless. Yeah, the kind of people that so were willing to do what they did, you know, four hundred or so years ago to maintain their pursuit of the living God. You know, uh, we hear so much about the separation of church and state. Um, I was told this, I don't know if this is true, that 50% of lawyers think that the separation of church and state is, is, is written in the Constitution. Can you clarify that? Well, uh, it's a slogan, uh, and slogans mm-hmm. have their limits as to their accuracy. Um, and it's a slogan that, you know, of course, Thomas Jefferson made the most famous in a letter mm-hmm. he wrote on New Year's Day to a, a group of Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut. And, he, you know, he should have been watching the Rose Bowl like everybody does on <laughs> New Year's Day. But, but and so he was writing this letter. And uh, You're talking um, about a literal Rose Bowl. Yeah, 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 I guess. Probably, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was quite a florist. I don't think in Virginia in, in January <laughs> there were too many blooming on that moment. But, but, but nonetheless... Uh, I digress. Uh, the The establishment clause of religion, and uh, the court got it right in uh, the Coach Kennedy case, citing a mm-hmm. case that ADF mm-hmm. argued. They, they basically said, we've abandoned the old standard of the lemon test, which had three components to it, and it's it, it's a messy test. Uh, and and they, they, they said that a case we argued, the Town of Greece case a few years back, uh, we abandoned it, and nobody seems to pay attention, including the lower court here. And so, and the, and the officials in Washington State who were insistent on on firing this teacher for praying by himself at at midfield after a football game. Crazy. Uh, but the the establishment clause prohibits the government from coercing you into religion or non-religion, and and so it's all about coercion, and. Uh, um, the idea that separation has been carried to such extremes that, that they, they think that people need to maintain silence, that we can't do anything religious in the public square. And that's just not the case. Uh, religious yeah. speech is not second-class speech. Uh, uh, and, you know, people who claim that uh, uh, politically active pastors like my pastor uh, are somehow violating the, the separation of church and state. Well, that's doubly wrong. A, that's not the meaning of the Establishment Clause. And B, 
the First Amendment only limits the power of government. It protects people and limits government. People are not limited at all by the, the Establishment Clause because only the government has to live up to the Constitution. The, the people are protected by it, but it's a duty on government, not a duty on people. Uh, we can be made responsible for various statutory laws, but the Constitution is a government-limiting document uh, and, and not a people-limiting document. This is such a good reason, and this is the reason why we need to teach history in schools, why we need to teach our kids about history. It's a great beginning to our conversation with Mike Ferris, Unlicensed to Parent. Mike Ferris is with Alliance Defending Freedom and Trace Embry. Mike and I will be right back after this. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a fully accredited one-year residential program for teens in crisis. And today we are helping you, the parent, think through religious freedoms. Our guest is Mike Ferris with Alliance Defending Freedom. Well, Mike, there are, as you know, there are so many issues that seem to be affecting parental rights these days uh, that it's, it's just hard to know where to start. But What do you see as the most pressing issue regarding uh, parents' rights, particularly their religious freedoms, and and why? Well, I I think that what's going on in the public schools has reached a crisis point. Uh, Mm -hmm. The advent of critical theory, uh, both critical race theory, critical gender theory, is Mm -hmm. replacing the parents' ability to direct the 
upbringing, the philosophy, the beliefs of their children in really egregious ways. And just to put a, a historical context in it, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was adopted in the late 1940s as a response to what Adolf Hitler did in broad terms, and it was a response to Nazi Germany. And parents' rights weren't left out of that document. And it says that parents have a prior right to direct the education of their children so that children may be raised in the moral and religious philosophy of the family. That's, a, you know, I don't believe in using international law as a as a law for America, but it's an interesting uh, guidepost to just to say, look, here's a standard. Just let's think about this. And so um, what's going on in the public schools today violates that universal principle that we recognized just a generation ago. And and that principle is that it's, it's dangerous for government to get in the indoctrination business. And that's right. what's going on in the public schools. And that indoctrination business usurps the core thing that it is to be a parent. The core principle is parents need to shape the, the, the long-term destiny and the beliefs of their kids, not government. And so right. um, critical race theory is teaching uh, children that they're uh, either a member of the oppressor class or the mm-hmm. oppressed class. And if you're the oppressor class, you're evil, you're horrible. If you're in the victim class, you're a hero, you're great. Uh, and that's judged in the critical race theory by your skin color. And if you're you're black, you're in the uh, permanently oppressed and, you know, you'll, you'll never achieve, but you're a hero because you're oppressed. If you're white, you're an oppressor. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be evil for life. Now, I have 28 yeah. grandkids. I have four wow. black grandkids. Two wow. were adopted from Haiti. And um, my um, ninth child, our son Joe, married a beautiful girl from Nigeria. And they have two little boys. And those little boys are great. And, awesome. and, my, and the, the truth uh, is that uh, my black grandkids are going to have experiences that are not what my white grandkids will experience, and it's not right. I don't, I don't like the fact that racism exists. I don't think that my black grandkids and my white grandkids should be treated differently, but I recognize the reality that that's going to be the case. But I resent and deeply take offense at the idea that my black grandkids are permanently victims and that my white grandkids are right. permanently oppressors. That's just not true. Right. Something else that isn't true uh, is that systemic racism exists in America. I don't believe that. I, I think racism exists. It always, it's like any sin, it's always going to exist. And, and sin is systemic, but racism is systemic. I, I, systemic mental illness, yes. Uh, but racism, I mean, you might have a different uh, view of that. I, I, I don't see it anymore. We, we used to, even not that long ago. But today, seriously? Yeah. Well, it, it's so much different uh, than when I was a kid. Uh, sure. You know, I'm, I'm 70, and so, uh, you know, I live Sound through— Sound 20. Uh, well, thank you. I, 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 I breathe helium in a balloon just before I go on the radio <laughs> to make sure that's the case. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, the— um, you know, the, the 50s and 60s were so much different on this score. We've come a long right. way. And from a legal perspective, which, of course, where I've lived a lot of my life, um, the institutional racism is all gone. Now, are there people who still violate the law? Yeah. 
but they're punished. They're caught and they're mm. punished. And it's the exception, not the rule. Um, you know, separate but equal used to be the law in 1954 that was ruled unconstitutional. That's a long time ago, 1954. And, right. and uh, the 1964 Civil Rights Act uh, eliminated the vast majority of private forms of, of economic racism. And so, yeah. so the legal situation in our country has got the right standards. And, and the call is simply live up to it. I mean, just like we've got the right standards on murder, we've got the right standards on uh, racism. If, if there's racial violations, racial discrimination, we find it out and we punish it. That's what the law should be. So it's not systemic in any meaningful sense in the legal world. Yeah. I like what Robert Woodson said. He marched with King. He's, he's an older uh, black gentleman. He said he made a statement I thought was just so wise. He said, no nation should be defined by the worst of what they once were. America's always been a redemptive nation and tried to, to right its wrongs. And, and no nation should be defined by what worst of what they once were. That was from a guy who, who did live in a time when America was you know, not a very nice nation for black people to live in. But that sums it up. I think there's a, there's an element of forgiveness that we just have to say, look, well, let's cut our losses short and go on. But I, I think people want to perpetuate this thing, and now it's being uh, sanctioned in our schools. What can parents do to, to kind of keep that pendulum st- you know, at, a, at a right angle still? Well, the first thing is that parents need to seriously consider an alternative to the public schools. They should mm-hmm. consider homeschooling. They should consider private schooling, Christian schools. Uh, uh, and if it's at all possible, I think that that's the best choice for virtually every family in the country. But it's not possible for everybody. And so uh, for people that are in the public schools, um, whether they like it or not, they need to make sure that their schools live up to the law. And racism in schools is illegal. And when they teach yeah. your kids that white kids are evil and they teach your kids that black kids are permanently victims and can't overcome that, that's racism on both counts. That's a lose-lose right. situation. And that may be systemic racism. That, that, the, the, that's right. Yeah. That is systemic racism uh, when the public schools, they're trying to reintroduce it into our country when we basically mm-hmm. had it beat back into, uh, you know, the shadows of our society where it was, you know, you know sure, there's some creeps off in the shadows doing weird stuff, but we find sure. them out and we punish them. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so what's going on in the public schools? Parents need to make sure that they maintain philosophical control over their kids. Similarly, the critical gender theory, the public schools have arrogated themselves not only to the parents' role, but to the role of mental health professionals. And they are not mental health professionals. Uh, uh, Gender dysphoria is a real mental illness. Um, and, And parents working with medical health professionals that the parents choose need to help kids who are having those kinds of issues. But that's mm-hmm. no business of the public schools. The public schools are creating these these circumstances in many respects by teaching and encouraging it and promoting these ideas. There's proven faddishness going on in the public schools. Oh, I see it right here at Shepherd Hill. Yeah. And, I know, and I know Michelle wants to, to shoehorn a question, and I want to <laughs> let her do that. But while we're talking about this here, uh, you know, with respect to LGBT plus issues, aren't secular th- thinkers actually betraying their own standard that empirical facts should be the preeminent arbiters of truth by 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 humming along with this nonsense? Well, they they believe any truth 
very, very sporadically. Uh, fits they, their narrative. Yeah, yeah. They, they've got an agenda, and when uh, a factoid uh, fits their narrative, they use it, and when it doesn't, they reject it. And yeah, so, there you go. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all about outcome-based results, and they reject science when science is inconvenient, uh, as it often is. Uh, because the, the plain fact is the vast majority of kids overcome gender dysphoria if you just give them a little time and space. 94% yeah. for, for females. That's yeah. right. And, and so the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 they rule by slogans. They say, you know, I'd, I'd rather have, you know, if you have a daughter and they say, I'd rather have a, 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 a living daughter. son than, than, a, than, a, than a dead daughter, you know. And, and right. so, but that's nonsense. Uh, they, 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 increase, they increase the chance of a child's suicide by giving them this kind of therapy. Um, that's the reality. That's the science, and no it, it's, it's inconvenient to them to to hear those those facts. Uh, yeah. But the, but nonetheless, whatever decisions are made in this zone should be made by parents, mm-hmm. not by government teachers. And standing up for your kids in those circumstances is absolutely essential. And we've we've got cases going on where school districts directly tell their employees, their teachers, and others to lie to parents about what they're doing to the kids. Oh my. Uh, relative to the public schools. We've got cases. People in, don't believe this. Yeah. But People don't I'm, believe this is happening. Well, and Mike, that was part of my question is what other kinds of cases are you working on? Because you had talked with us earlier on as we started the show about the coach who had um, prayed with his team and was was taken to court I don't court think he prayed that. with his team. I think he prayed by himself. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he had prayed by himself, but the team came with or some of the students came with. What other court cases are on the docket with Alliance Defending Freedom? Help us well, understand that. Uh, sure. First of all, we were amicus in the Coach Kennedy case. Another group uh, litigated it directly. But we uh, are litigating uh, several cases in parents' rights. Two of the most prominent are in Albemarle County, Virginia, where Charlottesville is located. Uh, we're litigating a critical race, critical gender theory case in um, principally uh, racial issues in that case, where we represent a diverse group of parents. Uh, One uh, mom in the case uh, has an op-ed in the Washington Post uh, saying Mm -hmm. that she has a child who is uh, a mixed-race child, and she objects to the program that's going on by uh, requiring her child to be segregated uh, because he's... he's, uh, uh, a mixed race. Um, so parents and, and are fighting back. That's they're fighting back. Yeah, and so we're we're suing the school district over that, and we're now in the Virginia Court of Appeals on that headed headed almost certainly to the Virginia Supreme Court in that case. Uh, we are litigating in Wisconsin uh, one of the cases where a twelve year we represent parents who had a twelve year old child in the public schools, and the public schools were secretly trying urging this child to. Um, identify as transgendered and were lying to the parents about what was going on in the schools, even upon direct questioning. They lied to the parents about what was happening. Mm-hmm. And we've got, we've got other cases like that in other states as well. So we're, we're, we're looking at a, a cluster of those kinds of cases. And mm-hmm. we're trying to argue that when school districts violate uh, the constitutional rights of parents in this way, they're responsible to pay for the alternative education. And so we're hoping to uh, see effectively kind of a de facto voucher thing, but it would only be for a remedy when the schools do it wrong. You know, uh, the courts are not going to force the schools as a political matter just to voluntarily create vouchers. But they're going to say to you, we, we, we believe, uh, if you're going to violate people's rights, then you're going to have to pay it as effectively as damages. 
Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Mike Ferris with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Thank you, Mike, for being with us today. Michelle and Tracy, it was wonderful to be with you, and I just wish you and your audience all the best. To find out more about Mike's important work defending your religious freedoms, go to adflegal.org. And while there, sign up for their email alerts. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is a small part of a larger organization, and that is Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill Academy has successfully been treating teens with addiction issues and behavioral conditions through our nature-based therapy program for boys and girls ages 12 to 17. And we need your help to continue doing what we do. Give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit licensedaparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Ambry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.